The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here with a special episode this week, a little bit out of sequence. But we're going to talk about the Roquan Smith re-signing and joining me to do that, the perfect guy, Vasilis Lericos. Uh, Lericos, how are you doing, Vasilis? I'm doing well, Ken. How are you? Uh, playoff week, so uh, hope springs eternal. There you go. Uh, and uh, and hope for 2023 is is better in my mind with Roquan on board. I know we, we, we've, we've probably got some mixed feelings about that, but the, the, the going into this offseason with both Roquan and uh, Lamar not under contract and having only one franchise tag was was really weighing heavily on my mind. For sure. You know, you don't want to make that trade, give up the second and the fifth and watch him walk for maybe a, you know, compensatory third two years later, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking ahead towards the defense next year. Um, you probably need to add a little bit to the defensive line and most likely two cornerbacks. But uh, other than that, and probably want to retain one of the older edge rushers, but you don't have a whole lot of weakness there. So, um, yeah, you know, a lot of people after the trade said, you know, the team is better. I would hope the team's better. Anytime you trade for a player, the team should be better. Um, the question is how much better and how much is that worth? Yeah. Anytime, especially you spend draft picks to get a player, they better be better. So um, uh, need to thank our sponsor here for a moment before we move on. Our, our sponsor is Liquid Death, the water that will murder you brutally, murder your thirst. Uh, they've been very good to us. Please give their product a try if you'd like to support the show. They have a nice flavor uh, uh, lime seltzer that I would recommend. 
so Voss, uh, first of all, let me ask uh, you to tell people where they can find you on Twitter and, and find your work. Sure. I'm the co-managing editor at Baltimore Beatdown Blog. You can find me on Twitter at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. All right. Outstanding. So uh, it, it's obviously, it's the news of the day. Um, you know, it's this is a weird time for the Baltimore Ravens that you're coming into a playoff week where maybe there's some hope. And there's also a lot of real doubt about, you know, this, this game coming up, not a lot of true optimism in the way that we would normally enter the playoffs. And it would all change if Wednesday's injury report has the right information on it. Yeah. You know, I think with Lamar Jackson, the Ravens have a, a, you know, a good chance, maybe not a 50, 50, but somewhere in the 40%, 35% realm to knock off the Bengals. I'm not scared of the Bengals later on in the postseason. That might be too much of a, a mountain to climb. I think it is a little bit interesting timing. Um, maybe that's where to start. What, what is the benefit of, of inking him, you know, the week before the, the week between the regular season and the playoffs? Why not let Roquan play that that game, see how he fares on the highest level, and maybe um, you know. God forbid, knock on wood, if he, if he was to be dinged up, as we saw with Ronnie Stanley right after he signed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's questionable timing, I would say. I I agree with that. I think they had to do it before the league year starts in March, before you become a free agent. And, and honestly, since the Ravens have absolutely no leverage in signing him, they, the earlier the better. They really needed to get it done so they knew what they had in terms of signing the market. They have to make other offseason decisions, and we're going to get to that, that really are based on this. So whether or not Patrick Queen gets his fifth-year option might be a function of this. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, you can only you only have so much pie to go around, and you have to divvy it up in the in the most efficient way possible. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's talk about some reasons to like the the move and maybe some reasons not to. And and I'm you know obviously we we'll probably go back and forth a little bit on this. You and I have actually I think very similar franchise building philosophies when you get bound to it, which is why I respect you so much, Voss. And but we're different in one very key way. Mm-hmm. I believe in very flat. You believe in very roller coaster or or you know riding the roller coaster and trying to trying to you know toss money in when you have the chance. But we both agree that you have to make choices as a general manager. And if I'm misstating, if I'm misrepresenting you on anything, no, no. you'll let me know. Uh, Close that, enough. Yep. <laughs> the, the, the choices of general managers that need to be made, are, are the tough ones are where you're not going to spend money. And this is a position that you and I both agree, we'd probably like the Ravens to spend certainly on no more than one player, but even if you if if spending one twenty million dollar contract at inside linebacker might also be too much, I think it is too much. I really do. I don't think no matter who the player is, the modern NFL inside linebacker is not does not make enough of an impact compared to the replacement level options available on the street um, to make it worth that type of expenditure. Twenty million dollars a year makes Roquan Twith Smith. Excuse me the 12th highest paid defender in the entire NFL. Uh, that is, includes edge rushers, cornerbacks, safeties, defensive tackles, Aaron Donald, Von, he, he's making the same as, as Von Miller. Um, it, and I, that's it. Okay. Just, no, just as an AAV, you know, we don't have the, the details and the guarantees and everything at that point, but just a 20 million average annual value is the 12th most of any defensive player. 
And, and let's be clear here, although I, I don't disagree that your point is a good one. That's a leading AAV as mm-hmm. opposed to a third or fourth year AAV. And I don't know when Donald resigned his deal, but it's been a couple of years at least now. Von Miller signed last year, right? And he's an older player. Right. Um, is one of the things to like about Roquan is that he's still only 25 years old. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that should be, you know, extend his prime and uh, and hopefully help him avoid avoid some of the injuries that that are maybe a little bit more likely for older players. Um, but just just to go back on that, there's six edge rushers making more than 20 million, two cornerbacks and three defensive tackles. And now he's the only inside linebacker. Not so, one safety, not Derwin James, nobody. Yeah, Derwin James, right? He did get just re-signed just already. resigned, just resigned during I think it was right around week one. Okay. Uh, well, uh, let's talk about other reasons again to to like the deal because we seem to be straying. <laughs> Sorry, not to like the deal. That's okay. Um, this is couple things about this. First of all, when Roquan was acquired from the Bears, one of the things I always do when a player is acquired is go back and look at film which spans some reasonable grading system. I usually use PFF of his good games and his bad games. So I'm not just looking at his good games. I'm not just looking at his bad games. I want to see a mix of play, what goes wrong, what goes right in those games. One of the things that, that's very clear in this is it hasn't just been Patrick Queen, which is benefit, who has benefited from the acquisition of Roquan Smith. It's Roquan Smith also. He's played a lot better with the Ravens in, in this structure with these other good players around him than he had played at Chicago. No question. No question about it. I think if you put almost any inside linebacker behind the Ravens defensive line with their edge rushers and safety supporting them behind them. Um, I mean, we saw it two weeks ago when Calais Campbell missed the Pittsburgh game. Roquan Smith did not have his best game. Then Mm -hmm. Calais Campbell's back in against the Bengals and all of a sudden Roquan Smith has a better game. So, uh, yeah, I think that the Ravens definitely help him for sure. I mean, we've seen him. We've seen him with other players and other inside linebackers as well. I I, uh, I would agree with you also on the passing game comment that you made. You know, you you want players who impact the passing game generally. I don't I don't go all out on that, but I do I do believe it's something you want to do, and that has been the Ravens' problem at inside linebacker for since CJ Mosley left. Is that they haven't really found anyone? Exception call out exception is LJ Fort. He's the one guy who could really cover during that time. And they haven't had anybody else. And so to to have Roquan on the team and then to immediately see Roquan, you know, improve the level of play from Patrick Queen as a coverage player. And and not that Patrick Queen had been playing terribly when he arrived, but he put, he started playing even better. And I think Patrick Queen is is very clearly more um naturally has a more natural affinity for being a trail player or a weak side linebacker as opposed to a mic. Definitely, definitely no question about that. Um, that suits his skill set. Roquan has had a positive impact. We cannot discount that. And nobody's saying he has, you know, not up the team. There are a lot of their splits and their numbers, you know, points per game, rushing yards allowed per game mm-hmm. have improved. What percentage of that is Roquan versus Mike McDonald becoming more comfortable versus Marcus Williams coming back to the lineup versus the level of competition? We don't know, but you definitely have to say – he has, and I think he has had a hand specifically in generating more turnovers that would not have that, that would not have necessarily happened if he wasn't on the team. Right there, and there have been other players. Kyle Hamilton has gotten his big chance with injuries at slot, and and you know he's the slot corner now. It's a, we're pretending like oh he's this matchup guy just playing tight ends. Well, he's the slot corner. That's who, right. that's who he is, and and he's doing a great job 
with a skill set that is a complete mismatch for the position. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, Cabot has been fantastic. You know that. Well, well, I have some more thoughts. I guess we'll, we'll save them for uh, the second half. <laughs> Yeah. He's, uh, uh, you know, this, I, I just, I didn't want to give all the credit to him as being an improved player during this time. Obviously the Ravens have been without Marcus Peters now for several weeks. Uh, that's been a loss. Um, mm-hmm. In particular, it's been a loss because the, the quality of the other players there has, has left something to be desired in terms of Worley. Stevens has played a little better the last couple of weeks, but uh, uh, you know, was out this week with an illness. Uh, don't know how the Ravens, you know, would, would get through it if they don't get, at least Stevens back, but probably, um, you know, they, 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 they want to get two corners back at Stevens. Who's the other guy? Peters. Who's out this week? Peters. Peters. Peters right. yeah. mm-hmm. And they get Stevens and Peters back. Worley can, one can sit uh, probably. And, and that probably means that David Ajabo may also be headed back to the inactive list. Uh, I would think if, uh, if unless they want to, unless they want to uh, go one inside back up inside like back or short on special teams, that would be the only, uh, the only way maybe okay they could do that or they or since they went with one short at corner i guess they could get Kayvon seymour out of there so they they, it's, they do have some other options it's just one of the things i'm really expecting this week is for the bengals to ramp up the 10 personnel i think it's one of the things they probably specifically held out of this right. week 18 game just to throw it on us in in week 20 and i think that's a, there's a good chance the ravens are going to need two guys who can cover in the slot and i don't think they'll be as nice and put hurst split as a player, he ended up being a pretty good, you know, it's a relatively easy choice, frankly, if they have, if they have two inside guys or, or they, if they have uh, two slot guys to, to have uh, Hamilton match up against Hurst and some other slot guy with his Pepe or whoever it might be uh, matching up against another receiver. Sure. Sure. And I guess some of it probably depends on, you know, the availability of, of, Bo- of uh, Boyd, but mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't recall off the top of my head who their fourth receiver is, but um, I'm assuming it's probably, uh, Irwin, Irwin. like a slot, like a more of a slot body. He's the, he's number. He's a slot corner. He's a slot receiver, and he number, yes. he wears number sixteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I know you're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah, but um, you know, as you <laughs> as as you kind of try to segue back to Roquan, mm-hmm. um, what how does how does Roquan uh benefit, or what's the, what's the benefit of having Roquan on the field against ten personnel? I mean, I, I, you you still need somebody. If, if you've got ten personnel and you got a running back, you still got to be, be prepared to make tackles. I guess is the, mm-hmm. is the simple answer. I'd say if you're talking about ten personnel on uh, third down and long, I'm always okay with taking your linebackers off the field and putting in safeties. You know that. So you, you got the wrong guy to have that argument with. Right. No, <laughs> so, no, no. I know we agree on that one. Yeah, uh, and I I always like keeping the green dot away from the inside linebacker position because of that. But I, th- I think Roquan does give you something. I think Patrick Queen gives you something on, on third down that they've found that they liked in the nickel. And it's a damn good thing it works because all they've got is nickel right now. They don't, they don't really have a, a good way to go to dime that I think they're, they're, they're really comfortable with getting, getting additional value on the field. So uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strange case. I think next year, if the secondary gets a little bit figured out, largely through the draft, maybe through some acquisitions, because Dimeback and slot and slot corner are positions where you can make acquisitions. So you got a, generally a large pool of undersized corner, relatively small pool of aircraft carrier size guys that you have to get through the draft, and and it's easier to find those guys for for the slot corner role, just like it's easier probably to find inside linebackers because a big size and shape pool. 
Exactly. That comes down to the positional value argument again. Mm -hmm. You can find a starting slot corner in the third round some years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I think we've, we've we've gone through some of the reasons why to, to like the thing. Do you buy into some of the Ray Lewis impact? That's exactly what I was going. <laughs> yes, I was going to say. I mean, I think that's another, you know, tangential benefit is that the Ravens' legacy of inside linebacker and Ray Lewis is obviously the franchise icon. Um, and then you follow it up with C.J. Mosley, and then you went a couple years without really having that marquee guy. They drafted Queen to be that guy. He wasn't. But I think there is some of that. This is the Ravens' way. This is the Ravens' identity. This is who they want to be, and that's who they're going to be. Whether that's the best thing remains to be seen. All right. And and next year, if Roquan were to campaign for it, I mean, it's something they obviously ought to have a discussion with him pretty quickly. Um, and Chuck Clark is gone for some reason. Let's let's, let's start with that because I think if Chuck Clark is here, he probably keep, retains the green dot. Would you give Would you give the green dot to Hamilton or Roquan? Or Williams? I think probably Roquan, just because Hamilton's just still you know in a second year at that point. In a, in an ideal world, you're 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 using your strong safety as the green dot wearer and and. Uh, and you're rotating your inside linebackers off the field for, for obvious passing downs. But uh, I think with this situation, it probably makes sense to go with Roquan. Well, Williams would be great, but I think he probably lines up a little bit too far away from the defensive line on most plays. That's, that's the usual feeling about free safeties. They did have Eric Weddle with it for a time with the Ravens, but I think that, that you know, generally speaking, that's the thought is it's your last choice of the four major positions that can hold the green dot is, uh, is free safety. So let's maybe – Slide on over to some of the reasons why it's not the greatest move and and some reasons to to why the Ravens ought to have taken pause or maybe not done it at all. I'll let you start. Opportunity cost is the first one. And that's the biggest one. Um, in, the, in the opening, you mentioned that we agree on most roster building philosophies and disagree on, you know, the contend every season versus the trying to mm-hmm. trying to time the market method. I think the contender every season can work if you build your roster efficiently. If you invest in fullbacks and blocking tight ends and nose tackles and inside linebackers and strong safeties, uh, I don't think you could are really contending every season. Because, I mean, we've seen it for you know nine years now. So it's a very good regular season team. Run defense raises the floor in your regular season, but – that comes at a cost and the opportunity cost is not having maybe a playmaker on offense or another lockdown cornerback on the other side of Marlon Humphrey, because there's only so much cap to go around that if you're a contender, every season team, you're not going to push that, push those other chips in the middle. You're going to want to wait. So it just, it just makes it a little more difficult. There is a, another issue with being a contend every season team that I, I realize is a drawback is that you never have a top pick. So the Ravens have gone through this entire period, and they've never drafted higher than six since what? About nineteen Stanley two thousand. Stanley was the only one. No, no, no higher than six. Oh, it's, I think it's since two thousand they haven't drafted higher than number six. So, I, well, where well, uh, Lewis at five. Jamal Lewis at five. Jamal Lewis yep. at five in two thousand. So mm-hmm. yeah, and then they, then they had a, a series of guys, but they they had a, some ten number ten overall picks, and Suggs, Starks, and McAllister, I believe, were all number ten overall. Um, and, and they've had some, some higher picks in that, obviously with Ogden and, and Bullware. Um, but, uh, 
but yeah, they they really don't they haven't drafted at the top very often, and they they they'll have to make use of that. They do have maybe an opportunity this year, and this is where we we you know I, actually I'll move on to this a little bit later because I want to talk about this a little bit too in terms of why it might be the bad move. Um, they did trade in season draft capital for this, so there'll be no return on that in season in season draft capital. The in season draft capital is a dead loss for this Ravens team, I believe. If they if they do not contend for the Super Bowl, and I do not believe they can, you know, frankly, I'd be okay if I just didn't know if they if if they were not in good shape to win these playoff games. If they were, you know, four or five point dog each week, I can live with that. Mm-hmm. I, I you know, I, I don't like them coming into a, a a playoff round where they're a you know an eight or nine point dog to the first team that they play and they just played them and they just played them pretty well but they don't have their star quarterback. And so anytime you make that move in season, um, you, you got to be sure, you, not you got to be sure, you're taking a risk. Let's just put it that way of something else on the team, some other part breaks and you're not in the right spot. And that's why I, it's one of the reasons why I don't like the roller coaster method is yeah. if you go, if you go all in, then you have that risk. It's additional. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about that. Completely respect that opinion. We had that exact scenario play out two years ago when Eric DeCosta traded for Yannick Ngakwe, and then Ronnie Stanley uh, hurt his ankle the next week or two weeks after, and then it was it was a sunk cost that you never got back. Mm-hmm. And they let him walk, and I think ended up getting a fourth-round compensatory, but it was obviously deferred. So I agree. You know, that's the argument against, you know, when, when people were – when the Eagles traded for A.J. Brown and when uh, – uh, who was the other? What was the other one? Tyreek Hill to Kansas mm-hmm. City. So you have to you have to give up the capital to acquire the player, and then you have to pay them. So it's you know you're essentially using two two chips there instead of you still have that second round pick, and you can still hypothetically sign Roquan in the offseason for the same contract, and then you can take a, a cornerback in the second round, and your team's stronger overall. Yeah, yeah, that that uh, that definitely crossed my mind, and it's the kind of thing where. The, the the major reason why I don't think that would have worked is that I don't really think the Ravens would have seen the obvious fit for Roquan without actually seeing it firsthand with him here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just there's something about somebody else's player you're always going to value a little lower than your own. And I just believe they they might have been tempted to go back to the drafted inside linebacker or maybe even not go to the draft inside linebacker and and, and play the hand they've got. Play Queen, yeah. play Harrison, you know, maybe another vet comes in and and uh spend some time here but uh but you know just try and play the hand they've got as opposed to uh uh, giving up draft capital it's i i don't think i i okay i'll ask you as well the sunk cost argument that they had to make this signing because they suck so much cost any any validity to you yeah that's that's why they call it the sunk cost fallacy it's a fallacy Mm -hmm. once you make it it's gone you can't get it back and you still have to make the best decision based on the information you have at hand for the future regardless of what happened in the past Completely agree. So I, I think that's that's something we can set aside. Is that is that the fact that it already sunk a two and a five didn't really matter. They you know that that can co- go into their thinking in terms of what they might get back if he goes, but it's it's really not part of the thinking. And this is a weird weird situation where the market frictions they had available to them were, were not there because because Lamar gets the gets the deal. But the fact the one market friction that I didn't really take account for was that he's here and they have a chance to negotiate with him and he's representing himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, the, they saw him in the locker room. They saw how he fit the culture. They saw his leadership. Mm-hmm. There is value to that. Not 
you know, you want to overpay a guy by, you know, 20% because of that, but there's something to that. The other thing that I've heard a little bit that kind of goes along with the sunk cost is, well, they had to do this because they're having trouble with Lamar and they traded for him and you have to get something done to, you know, <laughs> if if that, if this means, I really don't think this the Lamar negotiation should have anything to do with this. They should be completely independent. Um, if you walk away, walk in the next season, God forbid, with a rookie quarterback or or, and now you have an inside linebacker as a franchise cornerstone contract, I think you're in a worse shape than you would be without. I do. Well, it's uh, this is a the situation with Lamar will be an interesting one because they I, I think there will be teams out there who will try and put together a package for Lamar, and the Ravens will probably communicate that assuming they don't really like sign him right away, get it resolved before the the league year ends. I think they will probably communicate it to the rest of the league because they have to, they have to tag him before they can trade him. They can't after the season ends. I don't believe they can trade him at all because he's not under, under contract for next year. They, they once, once the season is done, even though league year hasn't started, they have exclusive rights to negotiate during that time. But once the league year starts, they have to tag him and then that allows them to trade him. But I think that they, they will, let it be known at some point that hey we're interested in hearing offers if 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 you want if you want this to be a wide open competition just tell anybody else if you don't then shut up and give us your offer kind of thing um and teams like the jets and the bears are teams that might actually come up with a pretty engaging offer um so if, if the jets have probably they would trade Zach Wilson i don't know if the ravens want him but I'm sure that they would trade him if they're acquiring Lamar Jackson. Absolutely. And I think, you, you know, you, you get a, a series of number one picks, maybe some number twos in addition, kind of hard for me to say what would be the realistic thing, but the Ravens aren't negotiating from a position of weakness right now because they have the tag and they're going to have room for the tag. It looks like, um, although we'll make things a little tight. It shouldn't be too bad because I, I saw Brian McFarland had estimated that Roquan's, uh, Cap number is going to be about five and a half million for next year. So that's kicking fourteen point five into the future. Yeah, you're you're yeah you are looking at it that way. There there is some guaranteed money of his total guaranteed money. Like I think it's forty five million that's guaranteed, guaranteed another fifteen million that's guaranteed in roster bonuses at the beginning of years. And so it might be that some of that would be avoidable under the under the proper circumstances. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You may see your coworkers cracking open a can in your 9 a.m. stand-up meeting, but it's most likely not beer. It's a new mountain spring water called Liquid Death. You've heard me talk about this many times. Why is it called Liquid Death? Well, because it'll brutally murder your thirst. Plus, its infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to be a, bring a death to plastic bottles. Did you know plastic's not even really recyclable anymore? It ends up just going to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. Meanwhile, aluminum is recyclable and profitable for recycling facilities. You guys know how much I love Liquid Death. It's in everything I do. I take it to work. I take it to the ball club. I take it when I'm out with the kids. I got them right here on my can on my desk because I'm recording a podcast. I'm always with it. What's cool now is I'm seeing you guys on Twitter talk about how you're grabbing your cans and going to work. So send me those stories about what you're doing and how you're cracking open a tall boy in odd situations because, hey, it's water. And not only is it water, it's the best water that you can go out there and buy. It's cold. You can drink it with whatever you're doing. So going out there, 
Get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool by going to liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. It's a big um, contract. Third biggest contract in team history, right? Yeah. Flacco, Stanley, and Roquan. I, I, and it's, it's bigger than Marlon, isn't it? Marlon was like 98. 97. Yep, 98. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I, I did want to talk about the platooning concept at inside linebacker. And, and it's something that the Ravens have done exceptionally well. They've usually done it with the weak side linebacker. The, the Mike linebacker, yeah, they did it a little bit with, with Bynes in 2019, finding a, a, a secret combination that worked and you know led to that 12-game winning streak, which was marvelous. It ex- basically exactly coincided with the acquisition of Bynes and Ford. Uh, that, that those guys could could nail that down. But it's at that weak side spot that the Ravens have had a lot of success platooning over the years. And it makes me think that Queen becomes more expendable under these circumstances. Now, he might he might be uh, a player who could really help. And be, boy, would it be good if he had a great season next year. He's available under the 50-year you know, deal, and the Ravens could trade him. Right. I had that exact thought. I really did. I said, how do you kind of make the most of this situation? Um, it's by, you know, see if you, what, what you can get in return for Patrick Queen and then maybe using that to compensate for the positions that are probably going to take a hit because of mm-hmm. Rokon's contract. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, unfortunately, the total Patrick Queen dollars are not that much. Next year, you make something under $3 million, I believe. And then the, the the following year, I don't know what the 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 – 50-year option number will be for an inside linebacker, but it's never that high. So maybe it's 10 million, 12 million, whatever it might be. Um, it, it'll, it, it's, it's something, but it's not extraordinarily high. The, the thing is it's one year, pay it all then money, as opposed to defer it out over time. Right, right. So yeah, it makes it a little more tricky to, to maneuver around. Um, you know, it's just, it's almost like Indianapolis. You know, they, they have Shaq Leonard, who's the second highest paid inside linebacker now. Um, I think he might have changed his name. But anyway, they also have Buckner, who's one of the highest-paid defensive tackles. They have Quentin Nelson, who's one of the highest-paid offensive guards. Mm-hmm. Three elite players, three devalued positions, and they, and now they're going to pay Jonathan Taylor next. And you just kind of – I think you just cap yourself when you do that. And it's just, an, it's just a tough way to build a team because the last two minutes of the game, these aren't the positions that are deciding the game. Yeah, well, that's, a, that's a great example there in terms of, of, of a team that is – has really thumbed their nose at what is now, you know, modern, you know, franchise building theory in terms of that. Um, let's talk about something a little different here, which is the fact that he negotiated this contract on his own. Do you look at that and say, this is a good thing with relation to the Lamar contract that, hey, the Ravens have kind of proved now that they can negotiate with somebody who's negotiating for themselves and give them a very generous contract? Um, honestly, I don't think this has that much bearing on Lamar's contract. I, I think you make a valid point that it, they probably have some more experience with it now and they didn't try to, uh, to necessarily lowball. They certainly didn't lowball him. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, if you're representing yourself, what is it about 4% of the agents take? I thought it was three, but yes, you're, you're right. It's just, it's like a divisible benefit that should be there. Right. So, you know, technically if I'm the player, maybe you, you kick that back to the team if you, if you're a team friendly deal. But, yeah. um, so yeah, uh, you know, I I, I really I, I have nothing more to say. No more to tell about Lamar's. We'll see what happens is going to happen. And the Lamar contract, what a saga! I, I I mean, this is bordering some of the some of the greatest sagas in team history at this point. 
Yeah, in terms of a in terms of a contract, certainly is. I mean, we go back to Flacco in 2012 and playing out his own deal. Uh, it's it's not dissimilar. Uh, they never had to franchise Flacco. Actually, what, what, did they franchise him no. one year? I'm trying to think of they the- franchised Rice that year. Mm-hmm. I think it was they they signed Flacco and then tagged Ray Rice and then and then signed Rice at three fifty five right before the four o'clock deadline. There you go. <laughs> That was a good one. Um, so let's talk maybe not about Lamar contract, but on, on what the uh, impact on team composition might be. So so they've got – obviously, they've got some players who now – maybe this is the place to start. The other winners and losers in this. We talked about Patrick Queen a little bit. And I think, you know, long-term, this doesn't bode well for Patrick Queen's future in Baltimore. I don't see how he stays beyond 2024 in Baltimore. Um, and even that, I think that the Ravens would probably be wise to get rid of him a year early, mm-hmm. uh, particularly if he's playing well. I think that they've, you know, they they would do better doing that and get, getting back to some of their profitable platooning they've had over the years. But the other three guys that that are that are here, um, Calais Campbell, a guy who has six and a half million on the, on his contract. We just saw the last week of the season him play against the grain of every other move that the Ravens made this week. Right, their injured players come back for what presumably was for sack number one hundred because I can't think of another reason. Exactly, a hundred percent. And I, I, I don't think that bodes particularly well for Campbell's possibility of returning next year. I mean, it almost sounds like he's made up his mind already. But maybe that'll be a decision made by how far the Ravens go in the playoffs. Certainly, if they win a Super Bowl, there's talk that there's three or four or five players that might retire on this team. Um, but yeah, um, I think, you know, you can only – well, I guess there's no limit to how much you can invest on the defensive side of the ball, technically. But I do think that at some point you have to allocate things in a little bit. When you look at the team, you know, DVOA, they're up near the top in defense and down near the bottom in offense, and you want to have balance, I think. So I would agree. Campbell and maybe Michael Pierce as well. I mean, to me, if you're going to pay a guy big money, you have to, he has to let you go cheap somewhere else. Does he let you not pay a four and a half million dollar nose tackle? Does he let you not pay uh, your dime safety? Does Chuck Clark now, who's probably one of the other guys on your list, how's mm-hmm. that, how's that impacted? Right. It's it's uh, Chuck is another one who's who's an issue now. It might make sense to trade Chuck Clark to to get. Uh, uh, you know, I think the Ravens have three very competent safeties with Geno Stone, who did a wonderful job with Marcus Williams out. I think if you want to go back to playing a lot of dime, you could you could have a situation where Hamilton moves up to the box is a strong safety normally, but but that Stone takes over on passing downs as a split safety on the back end. I think that would make all kinds of sense. I'd love to see that. Yeah, definitely. But on on the other hand, Clark has been a wonderful single caller. I think he's having a pretty good year. I I really. I, I don't think it's too much to pay other than the Ravens are in some generalized tight cap situation yet again. Oh, I think they're more, more it's just a position position crunch. I mean, if you didn't have Roquan, if you didn't trade for Roquan, or if, or if you do trade Queen, hypothetically, then there's there's more to go around. But, again, you need to be efficient with your – you can't have too much in one position or one area of the field or one – or players that have overlapping skill sets because – there's a cost to that, and that leaves you short somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Good, good points all. Um, another guy from the offensive side of the ball who, who might be in a little bit of trouble, and he might be in a little trouble anyway, is Gus Edwards. 
nobody is unhappy, I don't think, with Gus Edwards's production. But you're, if they're if they can save four point four million on a running back, a lot of people are going to say you got to do that. Right, right, and I think that's kind of how the contract was was structured from the beginning. And um, you know, I think you've seen enough from J.K. coming back now, uh, as well as Justice Hill to, to some. And Kenyon Drake's been productive on the touches he's received, so. It's, you know, Gus, one of my favorite players, but it's a business, you know? Yeah, mine too. Yeah, absolutely. So um, with some combination of those guys, Campbell, Edwards, and Clark, I believe, I don't, I, I don't honestly believe Pierce is in that much jeopardy because it's not that much of a savings. And the Ravens, if they get rid of one lineman, I really wouldn't be real happy with them if they get rid of two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, they, I think they're going to try and play it like they usually do, play it pretty – conservatively not 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 taking a big risk on on being shorthanded there pierce was a monster in the games he played and it would be so nice to get him playing next to travis jones and see what travis jones can do as a three tech because right now he doesn't have that opportunity he's in there he's always the nose um among the current players but if you could get in there and 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 be able to manhandle a guard one-on-one i'd really love to see that in this defense oh for sure for sure he'd be a phenomenal three tech as well as Broderick Washington has played, I think he'd be an upgrade. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And Broderick Washington. So, they, you know, they have young talent and young emerging talent. Matt Abike had an improved year again this year. Uh, he didn't quite improve to the level Peter King had him last year where he had him as the, <laughs> the rookie of the year or whatever, the dark horse yeah. rookie, uh, defensive player of the year candidate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Let's uh let's do some let's do something fun and go out to the mailbag and I know we have a few questions about uh, uh, about uh, this today so let's take a quick look at it. if you would do that with me uh, sure for hashtag film study mailbag uh, let's see okay so the first one I see is what do you think the odds of trading and return would be for Patrick Queen now that Roquan is the mic in the future. I like Patrick Queen, and he stepped up a lot this year, but can't see the value in keeping two guys like this. That's from Adam Costanzo. Thanks, Adam. Uh, great question. Obviously, I think we've hit on some of this in this. Um, I think you're absolutely right. The 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 Mike job for the Ravens is now out of out of sight for Queen, but in truth, I don't. I I think he's a guy who could uh, and has done better as a trail player, as a weak side linebacker. Um, by having both those players, my issue is, is twofold. One is it's a lot of money spent at the position. Second is I think you can do better with the combination of queen and another for, for two downs, say, and another player on obvious passing downs, probably a safety, probably a player like Clark or Hamilton moved up into the box. So I, I, I think there's good ways to handle that, that, that don't involve spending all that money. Completely agree. Uh, I would like to see three safeties on the field more often. Unfortunately, some of these moves have have made that happen less frequently. I do think long term Hamilton's not a slack corner. I mean, he, it's mm-hmm. yes. long term. You're you're better off with a, you know, maybe diff, better version of Pepe Williams or somebody like that. Uh, as far as what is Queen worth on the open market if they traded him today? So Roquan was a second and a fifth. He had a better draft pedigree, a better player, plus the Bears ate a ton of cap space. Um, so right there, that tells you a little bit about the value of inside backer. But um, I would say Queen, if you traded him now with two years of team control remaining, maybe worth a third, something like that. 
Well, it's the two years of team control versus the half a year of team control that is the really big deal. And so, and when they trade Queen within this two-year window is is really going to dictate a lot of that value. I think. I don't think it's impossible he could return a second. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's I think it's it's within the realm of reason. And frankly, the fact that they got a, a first-round draft pick for Marquise Brown was a um, pilfering of a high order. Yeah. Yeah. I think it wasn't quite a – didn't they have to give one something back? Yeah, they gave something that? back. But but when you look about the draft here, it means they, they, they picked a little bit lower in the first round, not that that would have moved. It was still worth round. the first. Okay, okay. I, I think so. Let me be careful about that. I thought it was maybe like equivalent of 28 or something with the difference in value, but I might be wrong. I don't recall. It's been a while. Um, yeah, a lot of teams like investing in wide receivers, that's for sure. Um um, do you want to, should we go to the next here? Sure, go ahead. So this is from Angelov85. With this signing in the imminent Lamar tag, how should we allocate our resources, draft, draft offense or sign defense, trade draft capital for DeAndre Hopkins, any high-priority re-signings on the roster? Loaded question there. <laughs> yeah, sure. She, so she, like a lot of other Ravens fans, wants DeAndre Hopkins. And who wouldn't? He's a great receiver. Uh, he's old now. So I don't think DeAndre Hopkins fits the Ravens' um, MO or their actual needs. I don't think they need an old receiver at this point. I think they need youth and talent at receiver. Um, and he and he's talent. He's just not youth. So I, I I think they'll go to the draft and expend their draft capital there. What do you think about the wide receiver position to start with her, that part of her question? Um, I think they need a starting caliber wide receiver to add a starting caliber wide receiver this offseason. I do think the draft is the best avenue to invest their wide receivers as long as they're taken within roughly the top 75. I did a brief study on this two years ago now, but – the chances of success drop off a lot after about pick 75 for, for wide receivers in particular. Right. All right. Very good. Now, let's get to the rest of that question. Yeah. So draft, draft offense or sign defense. Um, and then any high priority re-signings on the roster. So they have a couple of, I don't know if they're high priority re-signings, but I'll, I'll, I'll go for these on the defensive side of the ball that would alleviate some cap situations on offense. I think, um, two guys that they've really got to think about re-signing and maybe to get one of them are Justin Houston and Jason Pierre-Paul. So I think that both of those guys, either one of them could be fairly cheap, although Houston's had a big year and he, somebody yeah. may pay him two years, 7 million at this point. Now I really don't know. Uh, maybe even more than that. Who knows? Uh, mm-hmm. He might even go for an incentive laden contract, although he kind of got burned by it this time around, which was unfortunate. Um, the other, the other guy that I, I really want them I think they need an answer on how they're going to proceed with him is Calais Campbell. And I just, he's absolutely, if he's not the best Ravens defensive player, you know, he's right up there with Roquan and Humphrey and those guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's in the star quality minutes every uh, week. He's play after play in a game where he's doing the right thing, getting, getting penetration, pushing people back, creating plays for other people, getting pressure events, not always getting the credit through flashy sacks or even quarterback hits much anymore, but he plays a ton of snaps for, for the defensive line. And uh, he's pretty much healthy uh, on a consistent basis. So I, I think they're going to, they would miss him if they didn't have him. Now, obviously the clock does not, will strike 12 at some point for Clayus Campbell, but I'd really like them. I think he's a good gamble at six and a half million in a relative sense. I don't know if they have the six and a half million to spend. Right. Um, 
I, I'd agree with that for sure. I mean, it's almost like, do you want to break your investment into phases? I'm going to, you know, the cap's 230 million or let's call it 250 million or just call it 200. You put 50 million into pass offense, 50 million into pass defense, rush defense. That's maybe a little bit more. My concern is I think there's still, it's a little bit outdated to put so much in a run defense. I don't think, I think it's the least important phase out of the five phases. I've done some DVOA, uh, looks and see what phases are and what is the common denominators between teams that are making conference championship games over the last five years and advancing in the playoffs. And it's not run defense. It's uh, it's passing offense. And two out of the top five defenses in DVOA this year didn't make the playoffs. Six out of the top 12 didn't make the playoffs. So the, the thought that defense wins championships, I'm not so sure anymore. I think that I think the worms turned. I think the rules reached the point where the worm turned on that one. So I would not invest too much more into the defense. I think you need two cornerbacks. Um, I don't, you know, you can't have a whole cornerback. If you have a whole cornerback, you're going to get eaten alive on defense. No matter how great your defensive line and inside linebackers are, you can't have that. The rest of it, I would put on offense. You just need a couple right. playmakers and and some corners. Yeah, it's interesting because cornerback is a position the Ravens have, have had just off and on terrible injury problems with. It just, you know, Eric DaCosta says they're like pitchers. You got to be continually developing because they, they develop sore arms kind of thing. Uh, it, it, it is a, a real problem. And so when you have big contracts at corner, you have big risk in terms of, of, of players not being there when, when you need them. Uh, to me, it is, it's one of the things that kind of adds to the roller coaster. I tell you what I'd like even more than a first-round draft corner, which I would love. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the thing I would like is getting the coach of cornerbacks in the NFL. Get the guy. Because, first of all, it's outside the cap. So, great. Steve Bishotti's money. Mm -hmm. I'm always willing to spend a little more of that. <laughs> but, but, the, but, uh, but you know, find the guy who's above all else. If that's Deion Sanders or it's somebody else, you got to pry him away and pay him a lot of money or whatever. Or you, it probably isn't Deion Sanders. It probably you know, is somebody yeah. out there who's exceptional at this, though, who understands the footwork, the way the Ravens can teach offensive line play to anybody. Who, who could do that for cornerbacks and upgrade every single one of your guys so your depth always holds up at a better level, that's what I really want. Mm -hmm. That would be sure. you know, above all others. Maybe I'll take a look at Seattle because they seem to be one of the best teams at developing corners, I think. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a good bet. They also draft them really big too. So they, they draft out of the mold at corner. Sometimes mm -hmm. to, to get big guys. And they, you know what else they, they drafted guys and Tariq Woolen is a good example of this is, is guys who have no college pedigree. Who are just, right. you know, a, a tools guy. Right. Sometimes it's better, I guess, to teach when well, they don't have bad habits that you have to break. Yep. That sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I got one more question here and then we'll call it a, call it a night here. Uh, Be more flock 52 says, does this move to sign Smith mean anything for Jackson? It's a good one to finish on anyway. Ravens always very tactical with extensions. Possible tag and trade scenario already worked out uh, in secret, like the Hollywood trade. That's an interesting idea. Uh, you know, Jackson is <laughs> yeah. under contract now. In theory, you, could, you, you, you can have that discussion now. I don't know what the rules are between January and March, or let's hope February 10th and March. Right. Uh, um, I think that would be such weird timing. You're going into the playoffs this week and you have it under wraps, but I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't put it past Acosta. I don't know. You know, they've seen speculation and things aren't, things are going sideways with Lamar. So that's what prompted Roquan. I don't know. I really do think that they're independent of each other, 
But, you know, we'll see. I think the key, if they do decide they want to trade Lamar, is there have to be two bidders. It's the most important thing is if you don't have an auction for this sort of a player, you better find a way to to get the contract done and keep him. If they can, if they can have two or three or four bidders at their like, you know, we saw with Russell Wilson, there were multiple bidders. Like with Deshaun Watson, there were multiple bidders. Then I say, all right, yeah. Now, now we got something, and and it would be imprudent not to even discuss the possibility. Even though I think Lamar's value is not really appreciated, uh, certainly by any metrics that are kept. PFF completely whiffs on his value to an offense in terms of how he improves the other players there. Uh, I think that most other uh, NFL general managers do understand it. And mm-hmm. and there are a number of teams that have suffered for years at quarterback um, and both New York teams might be among them. Yeah. Who would I, really like to get Lamar. I could certainly see that. I could see Miami being in the mix for Lamar. I could see San Francisco. I mean, I could see, I mean, if you have that many suitors for Deshaun Watson off of a criminal investigation and Russell Wilson at his age, you got to imagine, you know, 10% of the league, not 10%, 30% of the league would be interested in Lamar. I, I would think so. There's got to be quite a few teams that, you know, you can't, they're hard to find. And, and just for anybody that doesn't appreciate the value of Lamar, go back and look at the Ravens rushing offense in 2018 under Joe Flacco, with Joe Flacco under center, and then the exact same offensive line the second half of the year or after the bye with Lamar. The same running backs, same tight ends, same receivers, everything. So, yeah, yeah one-man rushing offense. It's a, it's definitely a, a, a very big deal to, to have in there. It was just All of a sudden, Gus Edwards shows up from, from, from the practice squad and is an unbelievable back. And Yeah. All right. Well, it, always great talking football with you, Voss. This was a this is a good discussion to have. I, I honestly, it's a big weight off my mind that Roquan has signed, and I'm I'm appreciative of this position, even though I would agree with you that that it doesn't entirely make sense without other pieces being put together here um, for them to spend so much money in inside linebacker. I I like the fact that this is resolved. And that Roquan's not just going to walk, and in his case, probably for a third-round pick in another year. Yeah, he seems like a, a good guy to root for. I like that he was kind of getting into the the robbery with the Bengals last week a little bit, getting a little chippy. I do enjoy seeing that. And we're going to root, root for him. And hopefully this this isn't a move that prevents something else. Maybe it's just you know just part of the course. And uh, he's going to be a great Raven. Maybe he'll be a Ring of Honor guy one day. Yeah, it, it certainly is a possibility. In fact, if if you're looking at perfect timing for buying a jersey, this is your time to buy a Roquan Smith jersey. He's <laughs> going to be here probably for five years. He's a cornerstone franchise player. Uh, you know, it's just it's a it's the time to jump on that bandwagon right now. He certainly is playing at a very very high level in terms of of what he's done, which is why this is so very happy for Roquan. Very happy for the Ravens in terms of what's going on. Hope it's the right decision for the franchise and for the season ticket holders in terms of them getting a consistently high quality of, of overall football. Voss, thanks so much for, for joining me. Uh, tell folks one more time, uh, Twitter handle, where, where they can find your work. I am Comatic Jetter at Baltimore Beatdown. Um, and my Twitter handle is at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. Ken, thanks for having me. And uh, let's, let's hope for a, a good playoff run here. All right. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with DMs on Twitter. Always eager to hear your your 
things. Three or four people have come to me just today with various ideas, and they're all cool, different ideas that I want to pursue. So hit me up with a DM on Twitter. I'll get back to you very quickly, and we'll fit you into the schedule as we can. We're getting into the offseason. Lots of opportunity for it. Lots of uh, eagerness for, for me to jump on these as they, as they come up. Uh, Vas, thanks again for joining. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.